Welcome to the LTID Network Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, and on this podcast, we seek out the world's best researchers, coaches, support staff, teachers, and athletes to better understand the process of long-term athlete development. Don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform and 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. That's LTADVIP50 at the LTAD Network Hub website. This podcast episode is sponsored by Statera. Statera is a web-based application that helps youth athletes and their stakeholders estimate training load, track maturation status, monitor readiness, and manage injury. Put together by coaches working with busy youth athletes, Statera helps keep things simple and brings together the most important training information in one place to ensure that effective athlete-centered decisions can be made. No more complicated Excel tutorials and spreadsheets. Just upload your athletes' data and their training schedule and start to take control of their training commitments and workload. Make more informed decisions and protect your athletes' well-being, supporting their performance. Statera takes your data very seriously. GDPR compliant and registered with the ICO, choose from a range of maturation indices and validated measures, or customize your own. Statera can record any training variable and all your data is fully exportable. To reach out today and get a free walkthrough, head over to www.statera.uk. That's S-T-A-T-E-R-A dot U-K. Join us in Edinburgh, Scotland for the LTID workshop on February 25th and 26th, where Rob Anderson and Jared Deacon will be covering the LTID network pathway and all things adolescent training, including the development of strength, power, speed, and agility. Head to the LTID network website now to book your place on this fantastic workshop. Welcome to the LTAD Network Podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with Tom Green. Tom is the Head of Athletic Development at St. Peter's RC High School and holds an undergraduate and postgraduate degree in strength and conditioning, as well as being a qualified teacher. Outside of his role at the school, Tom works with the UKSCA to support the delivery of SNC within schools, as well as for Catapult, as a youth research reviewer for Science for Sport. Tom has an extensive background in delivering quality SNC with over 10 years of practice at elite, university, and school levels. Tom, welcome to the podcast. It's great to finally get you on. Yeah, thank you so much. I've, I've been a massive fan of, of everyone you've had on before as well, so I'm, I'm really grateful for this and looking forward to it. Brilliant. So before we dive into the role at St. Peter's and, and what you've been doing there, give us uh, a bit of a... An experience, take us back. When you were a youngster growing up, what were the sports that captured your imagination? What did physical activity look like for you? Yeah, so I uh, I played everything as a kid. I just loved being outdoors. So it wasn't it wasn't just sport. Um, I loved, you know, football, rugby, cricket. Uh, being in the UK, that was something that I think I just subconsciously picked up on. Um, but I loved being outdoors, just, just playing with my friends. Tag, we, we call it kind of tracking here, which is like big tag kind of. And all of those little fun games and um, j- just love being outside and, and playing, really. Um, and school was great for me. Um, school was fantastic because it allowed me to, you know, pick up and, and do things that I, I hadn't had the access to before. You know, trampolining and hockey and all those other things that filled gaps that were in my um, in my kind of repertoire as an athlete. And then, um, yeah, I, l- I left school with, with um, played at 
a semi-decent level so just kind of district and stuff and, and and like county representation and stuff like that in football um and then when I got to university I figured rugby wasn't the sport for me I, I went to a, a really big rugby university and I wasn't as into it as, as the other guys and I, I certainly wasn't blessed in terms of natural size so um that would have been interesting um but I suppose yeah going back to to school kind of I left school with quite low aspiration academically um and a strong sense of kind of how teachers made me feel and I think that plays quite nicely now into to my role within a school and how I how I practice and how I try and make every student feel valued so what was the the uni you went to and was it sports science or strength conditioning or something completely different that you studied? Yeah, so I um, I went to uh, I did my undergrad at the University of Western England um, in, funny enough, I went into a, a degree in sports coaching. So um, from school, went to um, college, studied a BTEC, I studied a level three dip- diploma in performance and personal training. Um, and this was just fell into this because of a love of sport like primarily was it was told that I wasn't very good at things in school so just kind of found my way into a sport career um wasn't really sure what I wanted to do um but I matured immensely in that time and just really engaged with the content and enjoyed it and had a real passion um so I enrolled on an undergraduate um in in sports coaching and then I think around that six to seven month mark I I kind of um, figured this wasn't for me in terms of the coaching side of things. Um, don't get me wrong. It was amazing to accumulate all of those hours working as a sports coach, you know, for, for clubs and stuff. And I think before I'd, before I'd enrolled on the undergraduate, I secured a lot of hands-on coaching experience, which, which was immensely beneficial to me um, as an SSC coach. But I just did a module on, I think it was, it was kind of like periodization. Um, and, and I figured then, um, I loved the nerdy side of things. Like I loved supporting the athlete. I knew I wasn't ever going to be one myself. So I thought, Hey, this, this is a, this is a way into that environment. Um, which, which, you know, was fantastic for me. So, uh, yeah, university, um, came out of there with with a uh, a good classification and then I was awarded a uh, academic scholarship to study my master's there too and had fantastic mentors in in Ben Drury and James McCarran um, from an SNC perspective and then um, later on within my career there kind of met Thomas Legg who was who was a coach was was a uh, a coach but for me was just someone who really questioned SNC, which I loved. He he queried it, he questioned everything about it. And I think for me as a as a young practitioner then, that was nice, nice to have. Um and then through through internships, you know, blessed to work with Kev Mannion, who was a fantastic coach, um, amazing with people. And and I loved being in his in his environment and seeing how he engaged and secured buy-in. Um uh, and Owen Satterley and, and James Baker as well were really influential for me in my kind of foundation years as a as a young coach. So I was lucky to have some really top practitioners around me. Yeah, mentioning James takes us on nicely because obviously he was the original kind of, I guess, uh, you know, founder of the kind of SNC support at St. Peter's, wasn't he? How how is the yeah. the program? I mean, and obviously we're talking 
a good five, 10 years ago now that he would have been at the yeah. end there. How has have things evolved? I know there's been a predecessor before you and yeah. been you and James. So what does the program look like today in terms of what your role is like? Yeah, so um, in between me and James was was a coach called Will Pennell, who was, you know, fantastic. He's at Arsenal now, so he's doing an amazing job there. Um, he was only in the role for eight months. So um, I had to... I had to play quite a, an interesting role quickly on as because of the turnover within that position. I think I adopted a little bit of not resentment, but kind of I came in and I, I think I had to secure trust and buy in um, quite quickly. Um, James had done the amazing groundwork to, to create the program um, with, with the head of the department, Stuart Crabb, who, um uh, it's just incredible like I, I feel I feel so blessed to have the job that I do I coach six to seven hours you know every day um purely SNC and and those children will leave a geography lesson and come and have an hour in a strength and conditioning environment um it's a really complex role you know within a day I'm a, a cleaner an engineer a counselor kit man peacemaker um all of those things and and I think schools are sometimes the truest form of sink or swim as a coach um, because nothing prepares you for the challenges you face um, coupled with the demands of exams and fixtures and all of those things that come with the role it's a really great test of um, perseverance and resilience because kids like to pick gaps in your practice yeah I think it's you know just reflecting what you said there I think a school is probably one of the perfect Kind of places to get a holistic view of what's going on in athletes life isn't it when you're in an academy you yeah. might not see the academic side of things or you know you, but when you're in that environment you can see the social elements of them at school you know being obviously a member of staff you'd be involved with the safeguarding etc as well so you start yeah. to get a, a much bigger picture than perhaps an ssc coach in a normal kind of organization or professional academy or club would um mm. how has that kind of changed your approach or do you think it's made you more holistic as an snc coach as well yeah, a hundred percent. Like I said, this refers kind of back to the coaching side of things, where I didn't have um, a a strict love to be a football coach or a rugby coach or or anything. I I felt a strong sense that relationships and buy-in were really important to me, and and reflecting them back on my my kind of origin of of how I started in sports career. I, I remember feeling um from teachers and coaches you know I'd run through a wall for a teacher who took time to build a relationship with me and understand me as a as a person um same with a coach but I also was on the other end of things where I was dismissed and made to feel quite small in terms of academically so um I think in my practice I'm naturally quite reflective and mindful of how how I um how I interact with the children um and I've had internships, you know, with um, West Brom and Gloucester Rugby Club as just two examples and, and working with the Harbour as well with the first team. Um, I see it from the other side as well, where everyone's kind of trying to juggle and, and spin their plates of, of what's important. Um, and at the end of that package is just a 12, 12 to 18 year old who is learning to navigate the challenges of life, being an adolescent or, or going through that maturation stage. And I'm really actually quite empathetic to how hard it can be being an athlete of a high level. Um, and so always trying to make them feel 
first and foremost valued um, and, and know that I am approachable and there for them if needed. So give us a bit of a bird's eye view of the programme. How many athletes do you see? Is it just the gifted and talented or is there kind of a whole school element? What sort of sports, et cetera? Yeah, sure. So so um, I work primarily at the moment, 205 athletes across the school. Um, so roughly about 15%. And, and I think the biggest thing for me moving into the role, um, like I said earlier through, you know, Bakes have done an amazing job of, of the program being in the curriculum so i had a complete blank canvas to to come to and, and to adopt um i wasn't sure really what will had done like we, we'd had conversations but nothing more than an hour so i i knew roughly um what i wanted the program to look like but but very much spent the first couple of months just trying not to to rock the boat um trying to understand what had been done um, and also ask the children as well what, what had been done to, to get understanding from them. Um, and what I, what I, you know, what I envisaged, the, the kind of after, after about three months, I made a five-year plan of what I wanted the programme to look like. Um, and I, I, so far, I've been really strict with it and I've ticked off everything that I was working towards. But um Within the curriculum, we we have, you know, I have three lessons with, with um, students at Key Stage 3 over a two-week process. So that's years seven to nine. And then after that, I have five lessons over two weeks. Um, so as you can imagine, some of these children are, are performing at quite a high standard. Some of them get day release and they're at, you know, Aston Villa Academy or they're NGB athletes and, and working and juggling kind of the priorities of their club as well. Um and the program encompasses everything from kind of strength, power training, um, mobility, recovery, speed, change of direction. Um, I think aspects of it that I've really put in is kind of that rest recovery. Um, a lot more, there's a lot of um, a free running element to it. I think the nutrition side of thing, things has become really important to me. Um, and just empowering, empowering students to make better decisions. I think the, you know, whether they go on to, to represent, you know, the, the country or play at a really high level or whether it is just giving an individual the confidence to go into the gym and um, hit the weight, the weight section, you know, and and, and uh, not neglect the lower body either. Like that's, that for me is like a fantastic accolade. And um, I, I started, I started in the position I remember now four years ago thinking how important I was. I remember thinking like, this is really important. I'm, I'm an important cog of the wheel, not, not me, but SNC, you know, as an industry. And like, actually, as long as they leave me with a sound understanding of, of why exercises should roughly be going into a program, how they help them athletically and from a health standpoint, um, and that the next coach can pick them up and, and they are competent movers um, from both a strength and a, a change of direction, agility, speed perspective. Um, I think I've done a great job. Uh, and I think I've probably changed over the years as well, my, how I perceive my role and its importance. I think you touched on a really important point there that I think is, is worth highlighting to the audience because it's something mm. I've experienced as well. Like 
to come in and spend a good period of time observing. I was very fortunate in the way a situation happened for me that I did the same thing. So I got appointed to a new region, but in two weeks time, I had to go away with the junior national team for a couple of weeks. So I couldn't really implement anything. So it forced me to do exactly what I should have done, which is just go and speak to everyone and get the lie of the land, much like Mm. you did for that three months and get a good picture of, okay, what is this really like? What's what's the real challenges? What's the real barriers, et cetera? So give us a bit of an insight. What what were some of the milestones that you set up in that five-year plan? And then what were some of the barriers that you had to overcome in getting those completed? Yeah, yeah. So um I kind of when I could sense, I could feel it. It wasn't, it wasn't said. I could just, like I said, feel that um as a result of staff turnover, that there wasn't yet warmth towards me. I think like and that's, I, I, I want to say that's through no fault of will either, by the way, like, like, but I think, I think I just came into the role and I had to um, secure their trust and rightfully or wrongfully, like I felt that. And I think that was important for me to um, set that store right up from the start. Um, a big part of why I work with, with, within a youth capacity is, I I completely see our roles as the opposite. I don't think they should be seen as stepping stones to to senior roles with adults. Um, by all means, I think if you coach children, you can go on and, and be a fantastic coach in, within, you know, um, senior setups. But actually, I think it's a skill. I think I, I take real pride in what I do and and the time that I spend in developing and honing my craft over time. So. I believe in SNC. So so just working with those 250 students wasn't wasn't really good enough for me. Um I wanted I wanted to impact the whole school, 1700 kids that I think should and could receive elements of what what I, I had to bring. Um but again being sensitive to the fact that I was new and and didn't need to um you know rock the boat too much. So in the second year I I kind of had put together a proposal for all staff to adopt a, a warm-up um, that moved through a mobility, a strength and a conditioning circuit. So now all of the children, um, first 20 minutes of every PE lesson is a focus on, you know, really kind of looking at ankle, kind of hip, thoracic mobility, just to target some of the issues that come with sitting in a de- sitting at a desk all day for children uh, and excessive hours, you know, gaming or on whatever they're doing after school it's usually not stretching or playing or moving around so um that was big for me and I wasn't wasn't too you know that wasn't that wasn't hard I think it just was a a, a good sale like I was lucky that I had a department that were forward thinking and willing to give things a try um that fell off the back of COVID as well a little bit so those two factors coinciding for me whilst it was an awful time to, to be working in school with kids um it gave us time to reflect and actually every child now um gets that warm-up and it's it's something I'm really proud of because I can just sit there and watch it and it it looks a bit drilled and it looks a little bit like everyone's doing the same thing but actually the, the teachers are fantastic at delivering that and um our eye you know I give I give us an exercise or some form of mobility pattern to a teacher with 10, 15, 20 years of experience. And I'm humbled every day that how, how good they are at layering up that skill and teaching that movement. Um, and it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to do every day. Um, and then the smaller things is, is 
I think my my one of my bigger challenges actually is a budget. I don't have a budget. Like the budget is um, memberships that I we sell to the children. They're really cheap. It's it's like forty pounds for the whole year, and they can use the gym, and that gets put back into the gym. Um, there is no profit, and sometimes that is the paint on the walls. You know, it's that kind of we're funding that level. So um, it's a it's. It's, it's a great gym. It's got everything I need in there. Uh, and we're producing some amazing results as a school as well on both a local and kind of national stage. But um, that's a that's a challenge for me, I think, is the financial side of things, which, again, as a as an SNC coach, we're not always faced with in those kind of uh, professional roles, if, if you like. Yeah, it's a great point. And I think, you know, anyone who's working in a school environment, you know, certainly government school environment will probably relate to to what you, you've said there in terms of the budgetary mm. constraints. And I mean, even those, you know, I mean, your expenses start to your budget a bit, don't you? So when you even when you've got a decent budget, you want the next bit of tech that's going to yeah, definitely you know, give yeah. you that extra one percent. And I understand as well that you've you've completed your teacher training. So talk us through yeah. that experience. What was that a mandatory part of your role or was that something additional you personally wanted to, to get added to your qualifications? Yeah, so. I'll speak about it really candidly because it's it's important, I think, as an industry, we understand it. So I was paid as an unqualified teacher, um, which, you know, for, for starting salary was incredible. Like, it, uh, there's no um, no kind of issues with that. But I think two years into the role, I had reached the top of my my kind of band of pay. Um, and whilst I, I didn't voice a concern about that. I knew I was delivering, you know, I was doing a really good job. Um, I was influencing the wider school kind of ethos. And um, I put um, I put behavior tracking into the into the athletic system. So similar to kind of like a total score of athleticism, I actually put a behavior co uh, component into it too, because we were having issues where, children were really talented but were struggling within an academy system um, or were leaving home at 16 and just couldn't manage themselves uh, and so I quickly noticed that that was something away for me politically to get the whole school on side um, and equally for me to get the room to where I wanted it to be and, and children understanding that they were very lucky and they should be they should should feel proud and, and privileged of, to have that kind of program so I think all of those factors together um, came to my boss saying, look, we, you know, you've done an amazing job. We would love to invest in you now and put you through your teacher training. Um, so that was two years. Um, I managed to do the bulk of the work. So, so two years is kind of mandatory. You get observed and you have to kind of check in all these modules. But I, I think I did almost like a degree in about 16 weeks. Um which was really tough. It was a lot of, lot of early starts and weekends for, for, you know, all of it and just got it through. And I was, I was amazed at how little I knew. Um, and it's something that, you know, we, we can talk about as well in, in detail is I was completely unaware of how incompetent I was and, and how much I contributed to um, a sometimes negative behavior, sometimes poor behavior within a lesson. Um, little things, you know, where I stand, the tone, the pitch, how I, what level I'm at when I'm talking, uh, how I can use moments of silence, how I can order things to 
ensure like a seamless, you know, transition between things, all of these little golden nuggets that I had no idea really. And, and, and I was someone who had a, a big coaching background too. And it was something that my undergraduate um, dissertation focused on the coaching habits of strength and conditioning. So again, I was really, I was always keen on that side of things and the, the more human side of things. But um, I was very humbled. I had a fantastic mentor who was very um, black and white with me and I deliver a session. I was like, oh, it's really good, really good lesson. That. And he was like, why, why was it a good lesson? I was like, uh, uh, kids enjoyed themselves. I felt like they learned. What, how do you know they learned? You know, and all these questions that actually um, with, within a school environment as an SNC coach, I, I have a duty to educate children too. So um, getting better at that side of things um, was important. And, and like I said, sorry, earlier is, is the salary progression. So the long, you know, the longer you stay within a school, you do get paid more money. Um, and these roles are, I think they're sometimes overlooked or you just think, right, you go to a, a school, you get some experience with working with youth and then you'll go to an academy and you'll climb up through that system. I get, you know, I, I, this doesn't happen, but I can work between nine and four. And if I choose to finish at four and do nothing, I, I can do that. Um, and I get my weekends. We have a quite a big rugby fixture for, for 12 weeks of the year. But after that, I get my weekends and I get holiday every six weeks. I get a week or two weeks off or in the summer, six weeks. So there's some really good perks too to um, working within a school that I think are not discussed enough. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's certainly, you know, if you contrast that with the discussion that's going on at the moment in high-performance mm. sport around coach well-being and burnout and, you know, yeah. the, the, the cost of being a coach, not just financial, but the impact on your family and your personal time, it's very much almost the opposite in this situation where, you know, previously people would kind of consider school roles as, you know, for, you know, as you said, down the chain, maybe a stepping stone, but actually now, you know, given the the environment you're describing, people might look at that a little bit differently. Certain, certainly if they're looking and thinking, well, actually, yeah, okay, that's the salary here as an unpaid teacher. But if I was to go through my teacher training, that mm. changes the situation. And actually, you know, weighing all these, holistic elements up of the time off the work-life balance you know not as much travel as if you're a premiership academy yeah. snc yeah. coach all those sort of things um actually could be quite a lucrative role in terms of your whole life yeah no definitely definitely it's it's uh like i said it's something that i if you'd have asked me in the school do i want to be a teacher and work in a school no i i've even met teachers that taught me and they kind of laugh i start working within a school now um, which i always find quite funny but um it's so rewarding and and I think it gives you a, a completely different skill set that as an SNC coach, uh, certainly in my experience anyway, was was quite underdeveloped in terms of I think more the kind of skill acquisition side of things and and classroom management. And um I say that transition, like limiting dead time, I think is is a really important thing when working with youth because they are naturally curious and quite creative and want to try things. And so if you turn your back on them for a minute, they exploit that. So it's even the little things that let's say that I'm working um, through, say, a progressive kind of cod or agility game, like a change of direction game. What I may do is um, the whole group is working. I might just pull two of them to the side and say, right, in a second, I'm going to call everyone over um, and I want you two to demonstrate this, teach them that. And then 
let them flow back into the session. Um, and when I blow my whistle, say, right, everyone come in, I've got those athletes ready to show everyone else. I'm, I'm limiting that opportunity for them to um, mess around, essentially. Uh, and I'm giving them focus. I'm showing them that they're, I, I'm making it safe by their peers doing it and their peers modeling what I want to see. So they all can feel that they can have some form of success undertaking that task. And then straight away, bang, back into it, off you go again. Um, maybe that's just normal coaching practice. Maybe that's a measure of, maybe that's in my inexperience and the viewers allow I do that anyway. But, but all those little things I didn't have, I was very much like either A to B to C, really linear and just kind of like we do this, then we do this and we do this, which doesn't always work with children or space or availability of, of area. Um, but I just think the way in which you you break down a problem and you, you word you how you use your words is, has become a lot more important to me as well in practice. Mm. So given the amount of time you've been in the role and, and reflecting back on, I guess, when you first came in, all, all kind of fresher, fresher faced and wide eyed to now, what do you think school based SNC coaches should be focusing on as some of their kind of top priorities or low hanging fruit when it comes to the delivery of their coaching? Yeah, so um, we we spoke a little bit earlier, and I think it's something that, you know, yeah, I think interns, are, I've had a couple of interns work with me, and I was certainly there too. Like, I, I remember watching things and thinking, oh, like, this could be better, or the, the, the science doesn't agree with this, this paper doesn't support this. And uh, and honestly, I think everyone is doing the best they can with, with the, the knowledge they have available to them at that time. So I never begrudged that, but I think, um, I don't know how to word this because it's quite a controversial point. Like, I think students should be really proud of their academic attainment. Like, I think they should aspire to get the best grades that they can at university um, at, at, no, at no detriment to them getting practical experience at the same time. Um, I think practical experience while studying actually gives your, your lessons a lot of context. Your seminars and everything you go to, you start to think of, you know, uh you know the, the null board's great but how many you know how does it work within a gym environment or oh, i've seen this and it's not as it's not as um reliable or as you know rigorous as as we're doing it now in this environment because the athletes are kind of breaking at the hip and all of those things like you just get that that those smarts associated with it which i think are really important um i think experience is highly transferable across loads of different areas you don't have to be in an SSE environment um in between that year of my master's and getting this job I worked in a primary school um or loads of primary schools sorry and I my job was a coach like a sports coach and I would just go in and teach a bit of hockey um teach a bit of dodgeball football everything I, I had balance bikes in my in my car I had 28 balance bikes in the back of a small Peugeot 207 and um teaching children how to ride a bike you know as, as young as four like it just changed the way in which I I saw the importance of my job and um some of those skills were why I believe when I went to interview for the school or like I taught I taught more of a lesson than an SNC session um and I think I think if every school you know hired an SNC coach at the minute I I'd I think we'd be, I don't know if we'd be equipped to, um, to really uh, deal with the challenges that come with it. I think if you're just in a school and you're just an SNC coach, 
great, fantastic. I think the minute you start to um, adopt care and and enter into that pastoral or safeguarding route where you get a form or you, you begin to get one lesson, I teach a bit of BTEC now, you quickly realise that there, there are many gaps in your practice. So like I said, taking taking knowledge from from every area you can even if you're stacking shelves how you talk to people you know it really matters um it really makes a difference and you you can practice in every environment that you're coaching in or working in yeah, it reminds me of a, a quote i was reading um tim ferris's book tribe of mentors and, and sort of interspersed right there he has some quotes and one of them says uh in in theory there's no difference between theory and practice in practice there is and I think it's that bridge, isn't it, that you're talking about? That, yeah, okay, this is what it looks like when it's clinical, when it's nice and black and white. And mm. You get into the real world and you're like, hmm, okay, this doesn't fit perfectly like that. We might have to change some things. Is it still valid if we if we change this? Or, you know, is there a different way or a better way we can make this appropriate for this age group? Because actually maybe that's going over their heads. So it's it's taking the content and then wrestling with it in reality and going, okay, yeah, I can see how this works, but it might be a little bit different. Definitely, definitely. And and empowering and educating them to actually understand the importance of, say, a technical model. A technical model is boring to eleven to an eleven or twelve year old. Like they just don't get it or or don't see how it translates to their performance. So um, you know, making things fun doesn't hurt. I don't think that hurts. It's, as you know, as long as you're not moving too far away from what is safe and what you're looking for within a pattern. Um I think of my childhood, you know, jumping out of trees that were far too high that I should not have ever landed or um, climbing up buildings or all those things. And like, I'm not saying, you know, everyone should go and do that. I'm just saying that we can, you know, if I was to RSI test all of my children, they'd, they'd probably be uh, stuck on a hurdle for a couple of years. So the fact that they dive around, jump around with precision uh, and manage to get themselves out of injuries by being competent movers, movers, sorry, for me is is a massive testament to the programme as well a little bit, you know. Mm. So where do you see school-based SNC going in the future? Do you think this is an area that's going to continue to grow? Uh, I mean, you made a good point saying that, you know, suddenly every school had one. Actually, we wouldn't be able to, I mean, we probably wouldn't be able to equip to put someone in every yeah. school, but yeah. certainly that yeah. person probably wouldn't be equipped either. Yeah, I, like I said, I think important to, to distinguish there. Um I think we can add so much value to a school. Um, but I've also seen physical education teachers with loads of experience teach really good strength and conditioning um, or a regressed version of it. You know, if you look at the, you know, um, Calvin Giles's work or anything like that, like like you said, you know, good PE teachers that actually can regress movements. Um, what we're doing essentially is old school PE sometimes as well. So, um, I think I think as a minimum, um, any health related component within a school that is taught should consider those kind of foundation movement patterns that strength and conditioning can offer. I think schools should adopt those approaches, you know, your squat, your hinge, push, pull, um, bracing and all of that, I think should find its way into into the curriculum, especially if a school is doing that for six weeks. Um, I think. As a, as a kind of a medium where I'd like things to go is that universities place an emphasis on not just youth essency, but actually kind of, um, I don't want to call it classroom management because that's too specific, but actually really thinking about the kind of pedagogical foundations that 
coaches need to have um, to control a room because kids don't care how much you know. They care about how you make them feel and 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 how they feel around you and they trust your knowledge implicitly. And, and that's really dangerous sometimes as well because you can you have have a, have a huge responsibility to um, act within their best interest. Um, but equally, I think universities, you know, making sure that coaches um, respect the role of an SNC coach within a school to, to the tiniest detail, the, the things you wear, the language, um, chewing gum, phone out, all those little things like uh, really, really matter. Um, if, if we have students come in, our, our children look to tear them apart actively. Like as a coach, they, they, they test you. They test you. Every, every new person they try and find where where are your expectations? Um, what can I get away with in your lessons? And what can I, how can I make you stressed? Uh, and and being mindful of that and knowing that um, these are my expectations. I'm really firm with them. I'm not going to budge. So you're going to have to learn to work around me. Like that's a massive skill to to carry on you know in anywhere in life. I think the maximum, the best thing that could happen in the next five years is that you know universities work with schools and collate the kind of the research into practice like we've been talking about um and a little bit of the UKSCA work that I, I'm doing you know with Andy Bruce and Kevin Tiller and an amazing team there of people is is actually as an industry trying to drive forward what you know what we're doing and um and why we're actually why we're important to schools but why again we're not the biggest cog um and we supplement a good physical education program, I believe. I don't think we're bigger than that. We certainly should. I, I certainly don't feel that anyway. Mm. Now you're you're a busy man. You got your fingers in a few other pies as well. So tell us about some of the other roles that you you juggle. Yeah, so um, I, I do tiny bits of consultancy, kind of all over the place. So um, I'm working, funnily enough, in esports at the minute, which is different, which has given me, you know, quite a unique challenge. I'm working with um a couple of couple of gamers that their their financial turnover is crazy like you know it's it's mad how much um how much some of these these guys are making so that's been really interesting um conversations with you know at the moment i'm lucky actually that the school has has brought in a, a really good football and basketball program um so that runs alongside so the deal with that at the moment is the football and basketball team get their education at our school. They get their strength and conditioning with me, but then they get their coaching through um, at, at either the stadium um, or at a local university where they have a basketball facility um, and the coaches deliver that. So that's, that's really, you know, it's been really interesting to support. Um, and I've been with science for sport now for, I think five years, which um, it, it's just been for me it's just been a fantastic opportunity to network and and put stuff out there if, if I go back to my roots of why I worked there as a company I, I remember struggling in um university to, to understand certain concepts and I just remember going on to that website um Brian Max another one that I know we're not allowed to say we use but like we've all been there once or twice in our life and and actually irrespective of people's opinion on it it's just an amazing um entry level knowledge for, for coaches and I was writing um a, a way in which I learn is to kind of put my thoughts on the paper and I just started a small private blog that 
Owen was reading. Um, he was in Australia and he was reading it and he just asked me to do one piece on peak weight velocity and it, it kind of snowballed from there. And um, I'm really grateful for that. And, and the recent acquisition as well from Catapult has, has again given me access to a next level of a, a new network, um, equally equipment and um, it's just, it's just, it's got bigger than I, I thought it could have done. And, and I'm really proud to work for them. Um, I think at the heart of it, it's just a company that's just trying to put things out there and, and, and keep things basic for coaches. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I really agree. I know I've uh, even just recently, you know, I was looking at some of their, uh, their content. If, you know, there's ever a test, I'm thinking, oh, what's the what's the protocol for that test? I'll look up the 10.5 or the RSI or something, you know. Mm. Science for Sports is always a good resource to kind of go and get some of the protocols for that stuff. So what's on the horizon for you? What's the next sort of 12 to 18 months? Any, th- any things in the pipeline or any yeah. plans for the program? Yeah, so just um, I think I've been really um, just personally for, for kind of work and that kind of side of things. Um, I'm really reflecting at the minute on how I report my information to both teachers, key stakeholders, you know, the, the headmaster to the, the governors, um, through to parents and to the student themselves. So always, always adding, always make, changing things. Like one thing I will say, I, I won't blow my trumpet too much about a lot of things, but I'm incredibly reflective. Like uh, nothing stands still. And every year I review um, the program and what's gone well and I think a, a dangerous thing in that is if you're just reviewing it yourself you can keep giving yourself a pat on the back so actually asking those around me asking the students um, interns as well like sometimes you know you forget to program uh, you know why, why are you not programming you know unilateral variations of that movement ah oh, forgot about like bang like course I should be of course I should be they keep you on your toes you know and um all those little things to so get any opinions of others really um and just reflecting on on the progress that the students make um from from outside of that with the UKSDA I'm leading a publication at the moment on best practice of S&C within schools which is is exciting I think that'll be really useful for for teachers to pick up as a resource um and like I said just continued CPD and working on myself as a coach and um I I have I have plans for myself and I'm just open to opportunities that come my way and um but at the moment uh, my, you know I'm I'm really enjoying what I'm doing and I'm still learning a lot within my role and I think that's a really important thing is that you know w- when you're in a position um it's when you feel like you've mastered it I think you're in dangerous territory so I, I don't feel that yet so I'm, I'm all right still I'm treading water yeah I think uh it's a good point to, to highlight what you said because it's the whole the whole uh, scenario of feedback is something I've been contemplating for the last sort of maybe nine to 12 months. When experiencing that kind of uh, discussion of feedback in different environments and coming to the conclusion that some places want, they don't really want feedback. They just want to be told you're doing a good job. Or actually mm. everything is great. We just need to keep doing what we're doing. And, and that's one of the things I, like you, have tried to be very... Um, humble and very kind of uh open with you know my own coaches and the private stuff to say you know we'll get together i I find actually one of the most useful things is to do an exit interview right when someone's leaving because they've Mm -hmm. got nothing to lose right so there's no repercussions (laughs) um and they've been some of the most valuable meetings i've ever had in my life in terms of 
just saying, hey, where are my blind spots? What do I, what mm. am I missing? And, and yeah. every single time I've done that, I've come away with a, a nugget of gold that's changed our program. Um, but I think it's really interesting. And, and I'm sure listeners will agree that I've been in situations where people say, oh, you know, we want to hear your feedback. And then every point you put forward gets rebutted. Oh, well, that's because of mm. this. Or, oh, we couldn't do that. We couldn't do this. And then eventually what you realize is those places keep asking for feedback, but they stop getting it because what happens is the person with the feedback realizes you don't really want my feedback. And mm. I think it's interesting to highlight that because I think it's a, maybe not a skill, but it's an important attitude for people to have that when they ask for feedback, they actually genuinely want it. And because yeah. sometimes the the natural reaction is to kind of go, oh yeah, but I'm justified because of this. Whereas actually you kind of have, an, have to have an open mind and just go, okay, yeah, I, I have a blind spot there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and the other danger is groupthink. So everyone just agreeing because everyone agrees. Um, that That's one thing that I will say, actually, as a, as a PE team, um, if, if I, if I say, I, I don't think any youth setup is like a high performance setup, like they're kids first and foremost, no, no child is an elite child. You have children who are maturationally at an, an advantage or genetically are blessed and they've just spent more time in the game doing things but this is out of all the environments I've worked in actually the closest to a high performance environment I've worked in in terms of standards and expectations of each other um, focus to improve and and vulnerability you know I think that's a really key thing working with people who are vulnerable enough to say I really struggle with this. I know this is an area where you're stronger. Can you come and help me? Um, equally bringing solutions to that problem. I'm not, not being passive and kind of just word for word writing down or copying what you do. Um, using their own philosophy to, to magpie and steal what works from you and put it into their practice and, and equally will repay that favor. Um, so, so, I'll kind of like don't overlook those positions like my my growth as an SNC coach my biggest growth has come actually from having people that have worked with kids for you know 25 plus years break down my practice um break me a few times like definitely like I've come home just like absolutely no blank expression um like like I've done a, a week of running um and actually all it does they've just picked apart my session and, and eventually as I've got over that and and um you know <laughs> just just cracked on um and gone back to it I've realized it's, it's elevated um my kind of level of my practice because they're doing it to care and they're doing it for the right reasons which is to give the children a better experience of of sport which is key yeah, I think vulnerability, if I can say the word, vulnerability is probably uh, the key theme of this discussion. So thanks so much for being honest and, and open and, and vulnerable in terms of your own practice and your own development. Where can people uh, hunt you down on social media? Where can they follow what you're doing and some of the things yeah. you're putting out? Yeah, I try and stay off it as much as I can. Like I love, I'm, Twitter's the best place and, and I'm uh, Thomas Green and it's a, an underscore and one. Um, that's where people will find me and I'm, I'm good on there. Like send me a message and I'll always reply, always send them back. Um, that, that's the best place to find me. Brilliant. Well, once again, thanks. I think it's been some really valuable uh, themes and kind of uh, discussion points there. So I know people will uh, have some stuff to chew on. So thanks again for your time. It's been a really valuable discussion. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. And don't forget to get your seven-day free trial to our online platform, as well as 50% off your first month with the code LTADVIP50. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love your support by leaving a rating or review on your chosen podcast player. You can also find us on social media using at LTAD Network.